Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing how to understand and manage anxiety. My name is Lucy Good, and I'm the founder of Beanstalk Single Mums. We're an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. We offer a blog that covers everything for your single mother journey. We've got a single mum only anonymous forum, a Facebook group, um, my much talked about single mum e-course, as well as exclusive single mum discounts and giveaways. And it can all be found on my website, which is beanstalkmums.com.au. But happening right now for this podcast about anxiety, I've got really great pleasure in welcoming Dr. Grant Blaschke, who is a GP and the lead clinical advisor for Beyond Blue. Um, Dr. Grant's been involved in mental health care for three decades, so we're in great hands today, ladies. Um, and this includes GP training, publishing books, and undertaking research. And he enjoys helping many patients with anxiety issues, which are incredibly common. Um, and, but they're also very responsive to evidence-based treatment. So we are very happy to have you here today, Dr. Grant. Welcome to the Beanstalk Single Mums podcast. Thanks a lot, Lucy. Um, look, I'm going to put it out there straight away that I actually struggle from anxiety, like many others. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the suggestions that you've got for us um, around the questions that I've, I've already given you a heads up about. Um, and although my anxiety is currently at bay, which I think is a great way of putting it, it really is something that I have to manage on a daily basis to prevent it coming back. And with things like COVID and so many other scary things happening on our planet, I think so many people are suffering this way. Have you in your work seen a rise in the number of, of sufferers of anxiety? Yeah, look, that's right, Lucy. Um, anxiety is really common. So you're actually in good company. I mean, during the lifetime, about one in three women will have an anxiety condition. So you're in very good company. Yeah. And that's what I see as a GP as well. This is not a rare problem. Hardly a consultation session would go by where I don't see someone with, with an anxiety issue. I think really? also for your listeners, single mums, lots of responsibilities, sometimes complexities, you know, with families or ex-partners or big transitions after breakups and things. So not, not a rare event and quite serious and really quite distressing for people when it's, when it's happening. Yeah, it really is. And understanding it is so important. And that's where I start with my next question, or my very first question for you. Um, so the topic of this podcast includes the words understand anxiety, as well as how to manage it. And this is because um, it is really important to know the difference between everyday stress and actual anxiety. Can you start with the very basics and talk us through what anxiety actually is? It's a great question. And I mean, it's a little bit of a, a side effect of our language that will say, oh, I'm really anxious about my job interview. And, and mm. so we use it in the term in a very colloquial way where we're not actually talking about an anxiety disorder. So everyday stress is part of life. Um, whereas anxiety conditions as people who are experiencing them will tell you are really not trivial and really cause quite a lot of upset in their lives. 
There's a whole technical definition, which we won't bore your listeners with in the um, psychiatric Bible, the DSM-5. But I've got to tell you, as a GP, the sorts of things that I use to differentiate everyday stress from anxiety is how severe is this? Is this affecting day-to-day life, your functioning, your work, your relationships? How pervasive is it? Is it affecting all aspects of your life? And these are the sorts of things that I look at. Um, So all of us know what it is to be anxious. And I think people with anxiety conditions find that, you know, the worried thoughts and the anxiety really dominate a lot of their thinking during the day and um, really cause them um, a lot of distress and affect their quality of life as well. Yeah, and that's a really good way, a simple way to work out whether it is something that has gone beyond that everyday stress. I I always thought when I woke up feeling anxious, that was a sign that something wasn't right because it's like I've only just woken up and I'm already feeling anxious. Nothing's actually happened yet. Um, But I really love your point, Dr. Grant, about how people talk about it. I've got two teenage girls and um, they often will come home and say, oh my God, I had an anxiety attack at school today and I think and and I say I don't think you know I understand that you might be concerned about something but I don't think you've had an anxiety attack because an anxiety attack is a really serious thing that you know you certainly probably wouldn't be at school for the rest of the day after it Um, but there is a lot of general talk that I think does cause some confusion doesn't it Well, that's right. I was actually speaking to some new university students yesterday. And, you know, this younger generation, they are very familiar now with the sort of mental health language, which is a good thing and getting rid of stigma. But I guess the danger is we don't want to medicalise, you know, everyday human experience. And I was saying, you know, you break up with a a boyfriend and you're feeling sad. That's just sad. That's not Mm. depression. Um, You're worried about which teacher you've got or that you didn't get invited to the party, that's worry. It's not an anxiety condition. So it's a bit of a balancing act, getting that um, medicalised language and using it appropriately. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It really is. And I think with, with the young of today, it's really important to get that right. So we've already talked a little bit about you know, knowing that you have reached a level that you need to get some support and that being that it is affecting your everyday life um, and it's not allowing you to move forward as you should be. But can you just talk to us about some other red flags that suggest that anxiety is reaching a level where we need to take action? So there are sort of different flavours of anxiety, if you like, or different types. So a bit of a red flag for me is people who are having panic attacks start to avoid going to things. Mm. So I'm not going to go to that movie theatre. I'm not going to go to that supermarket. They can develop um, a condition we call agoraphobia where their world starts to become quite constrained. A similar thing can happen to people with social anxiety where it goes from feeling a bit nervous to going to the party and maybe people are looking at me to I'm just not going to go. So I think, you know, withdrawal, um, to my mind, is a little bit of a red flag. Similarly, people with the sort of obsessive type of anxiety, what we call OCD, where they, you know, have to just keep checking things or Mm. have sort of recurrent intrusive thoughts. Again, if they find that those sorts of checking activities and things are starting to dominate their day, that is a red flag for me. And I'm thinking, wow, we really need to get on top of this. Yeah, so I, I, you call it arachnophobia, arachnophobia. 
Um, that one's agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. The, the other one's spiders. That's right. And, okay. that, and that's another issue. Um, and there are simple phobias like that of spiders and heights and things. Yeah. But the, the common one that I'm worried about is um, agoraphobia, where people actually start caving into those yeah. anxious thoughts and avoiding things. Yeah, I would call that a couch addiction. <laughs> I get addicted to my couch and don't want to go out. It's like that's mm. the safest place in the whole world and the thought of going out and seeing somebody is just all too much. And do you know, I think for single mothers, that is a real problem. Because, And I'm so glad you brought it up because often single mums are so busy with work and with young kids that they don't get an opportunity to go out and socialise very much. And so they do become quite lonely and feel isolated. But then they get to a point where they haven't been out for so long that they find it really quite difficult to get out and to socialise. So you can see that there is a bit of a vicious circle and often that is going to cause anxiety in a single mum's life, isn't it? I think that's right. And I think just going through the pandemic, we've been experiencing it. It's been a bit of a mixed blessing for people. You know, some of the people with social anxiety think, oh, great, I've got a good reason not to be going out. <laughs> but we gradually, yeah. as we're reaccustoming to life, it's quite important to try and commit, to try and go along to social events and things, even if you're not 100% comfortable and, and start to lean into that a bit and start to get your mojo and your comfort level and your stamina back to deal with other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm an introvert and I know when the pandemic came about, I was telling people that this was my time to shine because I was so good at staying in. <laughs> but I also yeah, recognise... Living their best life. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is my moment. I'm really good at this. Um, but yes, I, I absolutely agree with you that it can become very difficult to get over that threshold and go out again. And a real problem for our single mums out there. So my all important next question is, can you tell us some simple things that we can do during a busy single mum day to help manage our anxiety? So things that we can do alongside um, doing all the other things that we need to do. Yeah, so the first thing I'd say is get educated about it. And listening to a podcast like this is a good start. There's lots of information on the Beyond Blue website. And as I, you said in the intro, I mean, the anxiety conditions, many people don't get help. And it's a real shame because actually the treatments work pretty well. So just to give you a brief overview of some of the treatments, things you can do in your every, like, everyday life. So structure and routine are good. Not overdoing the caffeine keeping up your regular exercises, where possible, turning down some of the external stresses. But what I'd really suggest is go to along to your GP. And in Australia, we're lucky. You can get a thing called a GP, Mental Health Plan, and that entitles you to Medicare subsidised consultations with psychologists. And they're really clever at helping you manage your thinking. It's a particular approach I like called cognitive behavioural therapy, where they, they work out what are the negative thinking patterns you've been getting into. You know, what's that self-talk been actually telling you? And they teach you ways to challenge it and to change it. And it's incredibly effective. Mm. Um, I think that the GP is, I, I mean, I've got an absolutely excellent GP um, who I've been seeing for 
since I've been in Australia for 12 years. And even if she's not around, there's other GPs in the surgery who are able to help me. And it's almost a, a resource that we've got access to that people don't use or think of using when they're reaching for support. I mean, your GP is really the first port, port of call um, with most of your problems. Um, not just physical, but also mental health problems as well, because they might not be able to specifically help with that problem, but they can certainly refer you on to somebody who can. That's right. And I mean, so often the experience of anxiety is what we call somatized. So it might actually be presenting as headaches or period pains or neck aches, you know, because our mind and body are very linked and your GP's perfect person to maybe do some blood tests, make sure it's not a thyroid problem or some other physical condition. And in more serious cases, sometimes medications are used, talked through with the GP, but they can sometimes be very helpful as well. I'll just point out on the Beyond Blue website, we just finished last year this wonderful review called A Guide to What Works for Anxiety. And we got all the clever professors at Melbourne University to review all the evidence for psychological treatments, medications, complementary treatments as well. And it's got like a thumbs up or two thumbs up or question mark next to all the different approaches. So you can base your decisions on a bit of science there and make sure you're getting good help. Oh, that's so fantastic. So really all it takes is a quick look online to, for a starting point to get some information and I guess by having a look at that on the Beyond Blue website it would give you an idea as to whether how bad your anxiety is and the kind of treatments that you should be using for it. Yeah there's a nice little survey on the website as well. Um, uh, there's a nice quiz you can do which gives you some immediate feedback on you know this looks like you've got mild troubles or it looks like you're actually having some more serious troubles at the moment. Brilliant. So I do love a quiz, good. love a quiz like that. <laughs> <laughs> Get all the answers to the world in an online quiz, I find. Um, I'm just going to quickly throw in a question. How much caffeine is too much caffeine when it comes to stress, uh, anxiety management? Well, dare I say that any bad coffee should be avoided. <laughs> any bad coffee? <laughs> That's right. I don't think there's a place for bad coffee. I think it's. I do agree bad. with you. <laughs> but if you are going to drink, look, it's different for different people. But I'm always surprised as a GP where people are coming and say, oh, my God, I've got a bit of tremor and I can't sleep. I'm like, how much coffee are you drinking? And six, seven cups a day. You're like, okay. You're like, but, you know, but I would have, you know, I think if you're having one or two coffees, it's fine. But just watch some of the diet drinks and things like that. Sometimes they're absolutely loaded to the hilt with caffeine. Yes, um, of course. So that's something that you can just help turn down the volume a bit. On, on some of that sort of um, caffeine-induced stress. But I think if you're having serious anxiety issues, starting with a GP, make sure there's nothing else going on. Maybe you're on some other medicine that's actually been setting you off. Maybe there's something physical going on that's really driving it. Every year, you probably see half a dozen um, people where, you know, everyone's been talking to them, the psychologists think differently, etc. And then we do a blood test and like, oh my gosh, they've got thyroid problem or mm. low blood count. So we're physical and psychological together. So get checked. Mm, yeah, definitely. And what a shame not to get checked and suffer 
when you could get it sorted so easily and um, by going to see a GP, not always easy, but sometimes it is an easy answer, isn't it? Like a lack of sleep. Maybe you just need some support um, around getting better sleep. I know a lot of anxiety is caused by sleep deprivation. So, but look, moving on from that, I want to ask you a question. Is anxiety contagious? <laughs> and by this, I mean, if we're anxious, are our children more likely to feel it too? And how important is it to our children that we manage our own anxiety? What a great question, Lucy. I mean, I think there's a balance here. So on the, fir the first thing to say is if a child's got anxiety, I'm very reluctant to, to blame or pin it on the parents because there's a, a million different causes of anxiety. It might be in children, you know, it might be genetics or personality or circumstances. But having said that, common sense will tell you that the children are watching and they sort of develop a template of how to cope with things from watching their, their mum and, you know, their, their assessment of, of safety or risk gets sort of formed by watching their parents. So if you're the sort of person who picks up your phone in the morning and flicking through the news and over breakfast every five seconds going, oh, my God, you won't believe what's happened. You know, the, the kids, first of all, they may not have the capacity to put things in perspective. So they just see that mum's stressed and they're not sure why. So I think just be a bit circumspect that the kids are watching and try and create a little bit of an environment of safety um, and calmness and sense that things are things are okay. The adults have got this under control. And, and that's the other thing I'd say. I think it's fine to share your vulnerabilities at times with kids, but at the same time, they're kids. And, and if you're really having some um, serious anxiety issues, probably better to get some professional help, share some of those worries with someone and give the kids a bit of a, a sense that they're cocooned from some of those worries. Yeah, I found um, as a single mother, and I'm sure many of our listeners will be able to um, relate to this, that when I'm on my own with the kids and I have felt that I haven't had anyone else to talk to, I have sometimes spoken to them about things that probably weren't, wasn't appropriate, but really there was nobody else to talk to at the time. Um, and that's something that I had to really be careful about doing because I was aware sometimes that, you know, I was doing it for my own good and it wasn't actually helping them so being able to find somebody else to talk to whether that is a counsellor um, or even a friend or a family member um, is a good thing to share your thoughts with somebody who isn't your kids who aren't quite ready to hear it yet um, I, I mean looking back that was one of the mistakes I've made um, as a single mother is talking to my kids about things they weren't ready for because there was nobody else. But then when I did find support, I didn't need to do that. So that's one thing to look out for. And I mean, you talk about the, the uh, news there, Dr. Grant, and of course, I mean, it's not just about how we react to the news. It's the news itself. It, a lot of people actually say they don't let their kids watch or listen to the news anymore. Do you think that's a step too far or do you think it's important for them to know what's going on in the world and learn to, to, to deal with that? Um, and if, they, mm. if they're sort of cushioned from it, then later on in life, they're gonna suffer from anxiety because you know it's all sort of falling on top of them at one time. They weren't aware of, of what was happening as they were growing up. Yeah, look, I've, I've got an opinion about this that, that you know, the generation Zs who, who 
most of the kids of your listeners will be. They're mm. a pretty amazing generation. They've got incredible bandwidth of information coming their way. And the way they multi have multi-channel information at the same time is really something that my generation couldn't do. But I, having said that, I, I think that having a plan of some sort about the way they're curating their social media so that they're in control of it, some pretty destructive stuff out there on body image and eating um, and catastrophic news. And, and I think that, you know, at a minimum, maybe teaching them that this, you can turn off your the um, notifications so that you're not getting a, a ping every five seconds. Maybe plug in the phone outside the bedroom at night. You know, no one's advocating that you can just go off the whole social media train at the moment. It's the world they're in. But I think helping them get develop a sense of empowerment and, and their own little filter where they go, is this, is this a good thing for me to be looking at? Is this useful for me? Um, I think that developing those skills is really useful. And understanding what news is real. A lot of the stuff that they see on social media is not real anyway. Um, so almost, I, I'm, I'm definitely of the, the opinion that I would like to have the news on. They're not interested anyway, my two teenagers. But if they hear something on there that worries them, they can then ask me about it and we can talk. And I can say, look, you know, yes, that is happening. It's not a good thing, but it's not something that's going to affect us personally over here. We're going to be okay. Um, and, and be able to open up the conversation with them. Sometimes I think blocking it off altogether, um, perhaps because it makes us feel anxious as well, is going to be anxiety inducing for them. But Chris, what a world we live in at the moment. The news is almost like a soap opera, isn't it? You just can't, you, you would never, if you were to watch the news tonight, a year ago or two years ago you just couldn't imagine that this would even be happening so we're learning at the same time as them i suppose I think that's right and you can teach them that i think there's something to be said about perspective and uh, yes. you know the truth despite the difficulties that the world's had in the last year with pandemics and concerns about climate change now and some political instabilities around the world the, the truth is in the great scheme of history really We've never had a sort of safer or happier time in Australia. Yes. <laughs> you, know, when, when you, you, you sort of can lose sight of the Second World War and the Great Depression. And, um, and, and so the kids can also learn from your processing a bit that, yeah, that's, that's fine. There's all this sort of um, clickbait and urgency to the news. But hang on a minute, let's just have a the big, look at the big perspectives on what's going on in the world. And it's an incredibly uh, wonderful time if you actually step back. It is, yeah. And also, as you say, to be in Australia, if my girls so much as complain about being hungry, I shall say, I'd just be grateful that we're in Australia, all our families in the UK. You know, and, and, and practicing gratitude is a good thing. Um, and I think that, that can minimize anxiety. It's a good, a good little tool for kids to learn early on. Um, I've got my last question for you here, Dr. Grant, and that is, where can we find more support for anxiety if we feel that it's bigger than us? Yeah, so there's lots of support. Um, obviously, Beyond Blue, I'm a big fan of. You know, we get literally uh, millions of people going to our website every year. We get a couple of hundred thousand 
contacts to our support service each year. You can call any time 1300 224636 and you don't need to be in the midst of an anxiety attack or anything. You might just want to have a chat to someone and get a bit of advice about where to go to for help. Online stuff, there's lots of great things. Um, Beyond Blue has a chat forum, uh, which has more than a million contacts every year with all sorts of incredible discussions on different themes going on. There's also some wonderful online sort of treatments which are free. I'm a big fan of one called Mood Gym. M-O-O-D-G-Y-M, where you sort of learn some of those cognitive skills online and you only put an anonymous name, but big studies showing it's actually quite effective and makes you just a bit more aware of that unhelpful self-talk. So I really wish people well with this because it's a common condition. Not enough people get help and the help the treatments really work. So get on the front foot if you're having trouble with anxiety. Yeah, definitely. And the, the um, tools that you talk about on the Beyond Blue website, is that something that our kids can use as well? Sure. I think for kids in particular, there's some good stuff on Beyond Blue. Be aware also that um, Headspace is particularly designed for young people. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyond Blue also has a sub-site on it called BU, B-E-Y-O-U, which is um, really a whole educational program for all the teachers in the schools. Um, And the majority of schools around Australia are using it. But there's great fact sheets there about every possible sort of mental health issue that kids are dealing with at the moment. So that's another good resource as well called BU, B-E-Y-O-U. So if you're going to be hunting around the websites... You know, look for credible stuff. Be a little bit careful about falling into some pretty crazy whirlpools of (laughs) non-evidence-based stuff on there because you can get into a little ecosystem that will give you absolutely unscientific, unhelpful stuff as well. So stick to the credible stuff. And and usually the most credible stuff on there from people such as Beyond Blue is completely free. So I I think maybe just beware of anything that you're looking to pay out for, because I think you can get excellent advice for free um, online if you go to the right places. And I shall put a link through to Beyond Blue um, from this podcast on the the Beanstalk Mums uh, website Um, but yes also Dr Grant we've had experience with Headspace which um, is specifically I think for teenagers Um, that's wrong yeah and um, and that's excellent as well so that's just a a really good resource Um, again free for referral from your GP um, if your children are suffering from anxiety as well because we were we're talking here about an anxiety free family um, ideally and so you really aren't I was just going to ask you to run through and tell us a bit about Beyond Blue but we've already done that so can you Dr Grant for us just read out that phone number again, tell us website and also opening hours. Is it available for using, can you speak to somebody at Beyond Blue or is it all of an online service? No, absolutely. You can ring the phone number 1300 and they're the mental health professionals. They're very skilled and they can either help you or direct you where you might go for some help. So um, we're lucky in Australia. I'm also a big fan of those GP mental health plans. So the GP Mm. might be a good place to start as well. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing all that information with us. And thank you also for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy day um, to share your expertise on anxiety uh, with us single mothers. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Happy I could chat to you. No, it's been great. Thank you so much. I'm sure this is going to help a lot of people. Um, and to the single mums out there listening today, um, there is absolutely no reason to suffer in silence with anxiety. Take the first step and head to either the Beyond Blue website or visit your GP and reach out for support. Um, I'm going to say it. I say it all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Reaching for help is often the hardest step. So please do it because you absolutely deserve to be living your very best life. And remember, ladies, if you've not yet visited my website, beanstalkmums.com.au, make sure you do. Not only will you find more podcasts like this, but there's heaps of other wonderful resources for your single mother journey. My Single Mummy course is also on the website. In fact, it's already been downloaded by nearly 2,000 women. Um, and it's got heaps of tools and exercises which will help you to reclaim, simplify, and yes, reduce anxiety in your single mum world and one final point which I always ask before we leave you if this podcast has helped you please take just 30 seconds to rate and review it the more reviews we can get the easier the podcasts are to find by other single mums who need support guidance and companionship on their single mother journeys until next time ladies goodbye <laughs>